Welcome to The Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today, we're going to be covering minute number 38, which goes from 37 to 37.59 on the clock. Uh, in this particular minute, uh, you know, Mark is asked when the site is going to go online, um, and he tells Eduardo it's online now. And that's and that's pretty much like what most of this minute is. Uh, apart from the fact that, of course, um, you know, we need Eduardo's laptop uh, because Eduardo is friends with people. One might say he has a network, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we get a little bit of uh, you know a, a kind of a swipe at the uh, you know the mailing list. Uh, which is called Jabberwock 12. Um, and then, you know, after after kind of, you know, all this, uh, Eduardo offers to uh, to Mark, you know, to say, you know, uh, let's go and get a drink. I'm buying. Um, and that's where the minute finishes. And joining me to talk about today is Scott Corelli. Hello, Scott. Hello, I'm back. Uh, this is kind of, obviously, you know, we talked about it in the last minute, you know, the, the nice moment between Eduardo and Mark, which you obviously read slightly differently. <laughs> and I guess here, I guess you are kind of vindicated because Mark uh, immediately uh, says to Eduardo, get your laptop out. I need to email it to everybody in the Phoenix, uh, you know, like, uh, and it's it's kind of clear what his motivations were mm-hmm. um, in sticking Eduardo on the masthead. He wants Eduardo to kind of be part of this so that it kind of it can go further than just um, you know the dorm that they're in, basically. Um, although interestingly, you know, Facemash managed to kind of spread quite quickly without too much encouragement so i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't think it'd be you know that it's clear that the other people in this dorm have friends mm-hmm. so they could always just email this this link to a few other people and invite them and mm-hmm. uh, but i guess you know mark realizes now that eduardo has been punched uh this is a good time for him to exploit uh a finals club mm-hmm. uh you know bringing us back as as kind of keeps happening in this film to those opening five minutes and obviously marks ocd about finals clubs and you know here here we here we find him being like you know let's you know let's let's send it to everybody at the phoenix and of course eduardo is like you know i don't think they want to be spammed <laughs> and, and of course mark's like it's not spam like you know and i i love i love that kind of it's almost like by putting his name on the masthead you know you're kind of right he already had this idea in mind of like you know out of all of his friends you know he didn't ask you know dustin to do this or chris he's He's gone straight to Eduardo because he knows that Eduardo is the one who, um, you know, will be able to kind of get it outside of this dorm. He's the most connected. Yeah. And and he, you know, he, Mark literally says, you know, these guys know people and I, I need their emails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's about as naked as you can get. But at the same time, um, you know, f- from Eduardo's point of view, this is good business sense. Like if you've got a good product, mm-hmm. you know, and he's meant to, he's meant to be selling this product, then as CFO you know sell it to people you know like uh you know these are the good leads as they say in uh, in gary glenn ross you know like this this mailing list is not just like nobodies who are just gonna email it to their nobody friends this is a list of important people who you know are kind of the elite of of this this campus that is already elite anyway um you know so i don't know and i kind of like as well how 
even when Eduardo gives him the 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 you know the list serve, which is Jabberwock twelve, Mark as he's you know getting ready to send the link and he's typing away, he still has to kind of he still has to slight them and be like you know it's the most obvious Lewis Carroll reference and like Ed- Eduardo has to kind of defend him and it's like <laughs> do you realize Mark you have just kind of asked for this like the fact that you're immediately putting them <laughs> the Phoenix Club because they've got like an obvious like listserv. It's it, you know, like you know I I don't know I kind of I kind of like his 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 lack of restraint like the fact that even when he's he's kind of using this list he still has to be like these people are idiots you know like <laughs> I don't know this minute is very uh, 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 there's a lot of there's a lot of setup as far as again just sort of uh, building up uh, what will become a wedge between them as far as. Like I, I built this thing, but like you're kind of responsible for it blowing up, you know, but then, uh, uh, you know, Mark just views that as like, well, that was, that was a, that was, you were a tool I was using, right? It blew up (laughs) because it's great. And because, because I built it. Um, but, uh, uh, but, and I, I knew that you had, uh, a network of people that we could use to blow it up. Like it's all sort of calculated by Mark. And and I think that that's why ultimately Mark has the opinion of himself that he has, which is that I'm responsible for all of this, um, including all the things that you're responsible for, because it was my idea to make you responsible for them. Um, because, I mean, you know, I, I guess uh, from his perspective, he could have just as easily went to the Wink- Winklevoss twins and kind of gotten a similar... Uh, uh, gotten a similar uh, uh, expansion to it, you know, like he could have went to them and had them do the same thing and it would have uh, blown up in the same, a similar fashion um, to uh, uh, what happened with Eduardo. Um, and uh, maybe they wouldn't have sued him later. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah. Um, but he, he chose to go with um, Eduardo uh, because, Again, uh, you have no idea what this is going to be my dad. Sure, I do. Um, that's the thing. He has power over Eduardo. He would not have any power over the Winklevoss twins, and that's why he doesn't go to them with this. Yeah, I mean, maybe he's just keeping the Winklevoss and Divya as, like, a backup plan. That's why he sent them, I don't know, 36 emails <laughs> or something. Like, that kind of email exchange, you know, which was obviously built up last week, maybe part of that was him kind of putting them to one side and just being like, well... If Eduardo doesn't have the influence I need, if he doesn't have the, you know, the the mailing list that I can exploit, then maybe those guys do because obviously they're super wealthy and they're already connected. And, you know, it's just kind of maybe a coincidence that this happened, at, you know, after um, after Eduardo had already advanced to the next stage mm-hmm. of of, you know, of his admission to the Phoenix. And so it's like, well, now that he's advanced to the next stage, this is a good this is a good time for me to kind of, um, you know, exploit him. But if it, maybe if he hadn't have got punched, then maybe he would have just gone straight to the Winklevoss twins. And, and maybe this would have been a completely different film. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of, you know, very much like a kind of transitional minute. It's just kind of Mark, I mean, basically kind of, like you say, setting up this wedge, you know. Um, And also it does kind of, you know, uh, kind of play into the whole thing of Mark thinks that he's done everything where, you know, he doesn't seem to acknowledge that, you know, the relationship status thing came from a conversation he's just had with somebody else where, you know, the, the, 
the kind of this mailing list is is Eduardo's. Like he wouldn't have he wouldn't have had access to it without Eduardo. And so, but there's these little things that basically other people are doing with him or for him, and he just doesn't acknowledge that any of that helped. It's just like, well, of course, you know, of course, the Facebook was going to end up with you know 500 million friends because that was what it was always going to end up with. Like it, it just it's one of these kind of things where it, like he doesn't seem to be seeing the fact that. Eduardo is helping him out and when he is he still has to take a jab at at the Phoenix and be like you know oh well you know like why did they call it Jabberwock like I I don't know I find it kind of funny that you know he's he still feels the need while he's being helped to kind of jab at people Mm -hmm. um and I, I I again like like these two actors have like wonderful chemistry um it's kind of almost a pity that Jesse Eisenberg has got himself stuck in the DC universe because um, you know, it would have been nice when Garfield was Spider-Man, maybe mm-hmm. to have had Jesse Eisenberg as I don't know what is it the the uh, Hobgoblin H- Harry um, as Harry, I, yeah, yeah Harry Osborn, yeah. I feel that would have been like a really good piece of casting. Yeah, if, uh, like that probably would have elevated you know Amazing Spider-Man too. Much better um, than Dane DeHaan, know. that's for sure. Oh, I won't have a word said against Dane DeHaan. He's a he's a charming gentleman. Um, I t- wasn't he in uh, what's the other superhero film that wasn't a superhero film Chronicle. That was done by the director of Fantastic Four? Yeah, yeah. He was wasn't he in Chronicle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was. I think he was good in Chronicle. Yeah, he I was think, good. I think in, maybe that's what, he was. He was very yeah. good in Chronicle. Uh, you know, yeah. and I don't I don't blame him for uh, Amazing Spider Man too. But um, he no. was uh, he was uh, part of the many. He had no chemistry. Yeah, and he had no. Yeah, he had no chemistry with Andrew. None anyway. whatsoever. Whereas. Whereas here, you know, Jesse, Jesse Eisenberg and Andrew Garfield have such wonderful kind of chemistry together yeah. that even a scene that is just about one of them, you know, giving him an email list and, ta- and the other one taking a jab at the name of the email yeah. list, they make it kind of, a, you know, an interesting kind of transaction between the two of them. And, you know, you kind of get the, the kind of undercurrent of, you know, the tension between Mark Zuckerberg wanting to be seen as, as the person who did everything and also a person who desperately needed to <laughs> rely on other people. Um, although at the same time, I will say later on in the film, Eduardo Savarin kind of plays into that narrative himself when he says that he was his only friend. When we see Mark Zuckerberg with a lot of other people who were quite friendly with him. So, mm-hmm. so that's not completely true. There's still a, you know, there's a little bit of shading from both of them in, in particular as to what their relationship was. Um, but, you know, I still I still think this is kind of like an, an interesting thing. But also, you know, uh, the, the the music that is playing underneath is kind of building towards, I would say, a climax, but I don't think it's a climax. It's just a weird kind of end, uh, which we will kind of get you know more of in the, the start of the next minute. Um, but I do kind of like Eduardo being like, you know, let's go and get a drink. I'm buying. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like. Well, of course you are, Eduardo. You made 300,000 on oil futures last summer. Yeah. Um, I, d- I don't think there's a time when Mark Zuckerberg and Eduardo Saffron went out while they were at college where people wouldn't have been like, Eduardo, you made tons of money. Yeah. You're going to have to get the next round. Right, like, right. You know, that's... So I, it feels like you know at least this time he's he's kind of saying I I am buying whereas maybe in previous times they've all gone out and he's been like I guess I'll have to buy these drinks beans as I you know, <laughs> made so much money off oil futures yeah um, which you know but yeah so uh, yeah I mean I think that's about all there is to kind of say in the minute is there anything else that you feel like we've got to cover no I don't think so I I'm just a big fan of um, Andrew Garfield's body language uh, in in this scene. Um, you know, like him sort of like standing up and backing away from Mark uh, at the suggestion is uh, the suggestion of him using his brand new contacts, um, which I, yeah. I think is I think is great. But like, you know, it's it's 
it's like from Mark's perspective, he's just like, well, why else did you join if not for this exact <laughs> thing? Like, why, you know, like, what didn't you do it for the contacts? Isn't that the whole point? Um, so yeah. it's, uh, it's, it, but it's a good moment. It's, it's sort of like, uh, I just got this. Like, what? <laughs> I'm already going to use it. Oh, man. Um, just like that stress. I, I'm like, yeah, I, I'm very familiar with that stress. Uh, I, I get that. Um, and yeah, like, why did you, why did you make friends with these influential people if it wasn't to use their influence? Right, <laughs> like, right, right. You know, Mar- I think Mark's kind of stating more nakedly what Eduardo probably knows is true anyway. It's like the only reason you're standing out in the freezing cold, you know, with people dropping their pants and throwing up is because, you know, it gets you access to, you know, this kind of, uh, you know, elite group. Right. Um, you know, there's no point doing that if then once you're in, you aren't going to exploit it. Right. Um, you know, is that not what fraternities in America have done for many years? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that not what the recent scandal about people buying their ways into colleges was not all about? Right. Like, you know, it's it's kind of part of the, the kind of DNA of American colleges. And, and I feel like Eduardo doesn't really want to admit that that's what it is. But obviously, Mark, you know, he's got no bones about just being like. I need those email addresses. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, that's what that's what he needs right now is email addresses for important people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, my question that I'm asking on Wednesdays is uh, your general thoughts on other David Fincher films. You know, what are your favorite films? You know, I mean, have you seen them all in the cinema? Have you not seen any of them? I assume you've seen this one. I've seen all of them. Uh, yeah, I've seen all of them. Uh, I think the I think the first one I saw in theaters was Panic Room. Um, I believe that was the very first one I saw in theaters uh, because um, Fight Fight Club came out before I was uh, uh, of age to see an R-rated film in, in theaters. Uh, so I saw that on video. I obviously saw Seven on video, uh, Alien 3. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think Panic Room was the first one that I saw. Um, and that was, um, it was fight club that first I was like, oh, wow, this, this, this guy's a really, really great director. Um, and then, uh, immediately was baffled by other people who called themselves fight club fans, uh, uh, very blatantly misreading <laughs> that film, um, and what it was doing. And then I was like, wait, have I been misreading this film? And then I'd watch it again. I was like, no, no, I'm not. Uh, this movie hates these guys. I don't know why everyone thinks they're heroes. Um, but uh, uh, but then you know, seven I think is uh, is is uh, phenomenal. Um, but I think I think you know of his films, this is probably my favorite of his. Uh, but I really really love uh, uh, Mindhunter. Um, I can't wait for season two of Mindhunter. Um, I think, I think it's, I think that show is, um, it, I mean, it's basically seven meets the social network. I mean, that's, that's essentially what that, what that show is. And, uh, I just, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Anyone who is interested in, uh, true crime and, uh, criminology and, uh, the, the, it's, it's about the origin of the phrase, like the, the term, uh, serial killer. And what that means and how we learned what that was. And I've heard a lot of people say that the show is boring, but I think it's because they thought it was going to be a serial killer show. And it's not a serial killer show. It's a show about (laughs) the people who invented the term serial killer. 
Um, and and I, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think it's a brilliant show. And I am I am uh, every day. I'm basically checking in on Netflix like to have a date for season two because I am just dying for season two of that show. So that's probably my favorite thing he's ever done is uh, is Mindhunter. Um, but I love I love Social Network. I really want him to do something else with Aaron Sorkin because I think they have a creative chemistry that is uh uh sort of on its own um as far as like it's not quite like anything else it's not like other uh Aaron Sorkin things uh because David Fincher is a real director and so he makes Aaron Sorkin stuff not seem like television um it it feels like cinema and uh he makes it not feel like a play like I I love uh, I really love Steve Jobs, but that should have been a play like that. That had no business being a film um, because it's it's fine. It's a fine film and I enjoy watching it, but it's not really a movie, is it? It's it's a three act play. I mean, that's that's what it is. Um, <laughs> and the fact yeah. that it's a movie is uh, is uh, kind of absurd at, at points. Um, but uh, yeah, so I just I think that he and David Fincher work really well together and I would love to see them do it again. You know, there's always those uh, rumblings about uh, a social network, too. Um, I don't think that that's necessary, as necessary as everyone else thinks it <laughs> seems to be. Um, I, I, I don't because I don't know what the personal part of that would be. Like my favorite part about this movie is how personal it is about the character of Mark Zuckerberg. And I don't know what the sequel would be about uh, from a, just a strictly Mark Zuckerberg as a character standpoint. Um, I don't know what the sequel would be. I, I know obviously what the plot of it would be, uh, but uh, <laughs> but the yeah. but the rest of it, I don't know. So I don't know if I want that necessarily, but I would like to see them work together again on something else. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's really weird because, you know, obviously after Panic Room, there was like a you know, quite a big gap uh, in terms of, uh, you know, David Fincher's career. You know, he from Alien 3 through to Panic Room, he'd kind of released films fairly regularly. And then we had like that big gap until Zodiac. And now I think the gap since Gone Girl is bigger than the gap since Zodiac. But obviously since Gone Girl, he has done like Mindhunter and, uh, you know, obviously directed episodes of House of Cards. Right. So it's not like he's done nothing. Right. Uh, but at the, same, at the same time, as much as I do like his TV stuff, you know, uh, I, I, you know, I want to, I want to see, you know, another film from him. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I saw Gone Girl twice. I saw Social Network five times. Mm -hmm. I saw, um, I could only see Zodiac once because it was only out here for a week. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it like literally opened and closed within the space of a week. So yeah. I didn't get a chance to see that a second time. Um, and I saw Fight... Here's the weird thing. I saw Fight Club, and then um, at the end of 1999, I saw four films in a day, the fourth of which was Dogma by Kevin Smith. And if I'd have stayed at the cinema, I could have seen Fight Club and got home in time, uh, but I decided not to because I'd already seen four films that day, and I was fairly tired. Uh, so I do regret not seeing it a second time in the cinema, just to experience people who didn't know the twist... And mm -hmm. kind of feeling that in the cinema, because, you know, obviously that's what I felt when I saw it the first time <laughs> It was like when the twist came, I was like, what the hell is going on here? What's it like? And, I, you know, it would have been good to be kind of in a cinema with people who didn't know the twist and kind of, you know, you get that kind of atmosphere, don't you? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the game as well. I think it's kind of underrated, oh, yeah. obviously, you know. Very underrated. You know, I, th I think... 
I think maybe because Sean Penn is a terrible human being, I think it, you know, in if you rewatch the game now, you see how charming Sean Penn could be as an actor, mm-hmm. um, particularly when going up against someone like Michael Douglas. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like any of the scenes that they're in in that film, they kind of elevate each other just a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the game was actually the first film that I saw at my local cinema that's still open now. 10th of October, 1997 is when I saw it. Again, I don't think that film was out long enough for me to see it a second time, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I forgot about yeah, the game. I just, the game might have been the first David Fincher movie I saw, and I just didn't know that it was David Fincher because it was just a, a random 90s thriller that, like, I think my mom rented <laughs> or something. Um, yeah. And, and I remember watching it and loving it, uh, but not having any connection to what a director was or outside of, like, Steven Spielberg, you know, at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting as well. Like, if you, if I mean, obviously, if you exclude Alien Three, because I don't think that you can really count that as a David Fincher film at right. this point. Like, whatever that film is, you know, it's it's not a David Fincher film. Uh, but if you look at kind of like the ratings that David Fincher has had, like on Rotten Tomatoes or Tomatoes, depending how you wish to pronounce it, like <laughs> Curious Case of Benjamin Button is like seventy one percent, and that's like his lowest film. Yeah. <laughs> like. You know, yeah. Social Network and Zodiac are like 90s and then, you know, Seven is 81. And, yeah. you know, his last two films have been in the 80s as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I saw Girl with Dragon Tattoo like on Boxing Day the year that film came out. Mm-hmm. And that was an amazing film to see on Boxing Day. Yeah. Because um, it's like such... The thing is, I'd seen the, I'd seen the three, um, you know, the three Swedish versions before. Uh, but obviously, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of how they resolve that. Like, it's different to how they did it in the Swedish one. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, that was like a nice surprise to kind of have the plot go in a slightly different direction but the main mystery at the heart of that is probably the least interesting part of girl with dragon tattoo i think yeah. you know the, the stuff that like kind of rooney mara is doing right. and also nice to see james bond like kind of constantly being beaten up by people yeah um, for sure i think like kind of daniel craig's vulnerability in that film is always funny because he like he constantly seems on the edge of somebody just like kind of jumping out and shooting him or punching him or something like he yeah. just seems so kind of like weak compared to everybody else in that film yeah um i think i think i also think that i think that zodiac is something that was outside of critic circles was sort of widely dismissed by general populace because it didn't have uh, a conclusion you know because it was about how sometimes you don't get the guy like sometimes they get away like and and how you have to let go of 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 that stuff or it's it's going to you know uh, 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 basically just, you know, drive you nuts. Um, and that's, you know, you're going to become obsessed with something you can never solve. And, and that's sort of what that movie's about. And I think that that turned a lot of people off at the time. Uh, and, and they sort of dismissed the movie of just like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, cause it's not satisfying, right? Cause there's no ending to it. Um, and I think that it's, it's just now in the past, like, three years or so people are revisiting and being like, Oh no, actually this movie's a masterpiece. Um, and I, and I would, I would argue that Zodiac probably is David Fincher's masterpiece. Like that's probably out of everything in his filmography. Like that's going to be like the one that everyone points to as being like cinema, you know, like that's going to be the thing that he's going to be remembered for by like cinephiles and, uh, film history and things like that's a film that, I think will probably be shown in film classes in like, you know, 10 to 20 years when we're looking back at like the early aughts in filmmaking. Um, I think that Zodiac could be like a go to uh, uh, thing for film classes and things like that, because I think I do think Zodiac is incredible uh, and it's weirdly um, 
because you know because of the subject matter it's strange for me to say this but it's weirdly like a feel good movie for me like <laughs> because I, <laughs> I i i really like the characters a lot and you know it has one of my favorite visual gags ever in any movie ever which is the the uh what what is that you're drinking uh you wouldn't make fun of it if you tried it and then he tries it and then you cut to a bunch of empty ones like uh, on the on the bar <laughs> later um i like and they're just they're both like trashed um i i love i love that gag and it's i think that's like if i'm not mistaken it's because of zodiac a combination of zodiac and um um um, the, uh, oh man, what is that movie called? The one with Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Because of, yeah. because of Zodiac and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think is what made Marvel be like, okay, let's get this guy to do Tony Stark. Because those two characters, you sort of merge them together and they are Tony Stark, essentially. Do you want to, do you want to hear what the, what the, uh, cinema going public saw the week that Zodiac came out instead of Zodiac? Because oh, it debuted no. at number two the weekend it came out. Oh no. Uh, ahead of, ahead of Ghost Rider and Bridge to Terabithia. Oh uh, no. Which of course is, is a, a sequel to the, uh, the John Favreau directed, uh, or did John Favreau direct Bridge to Terabithia? I oh, know he did no. Zarathura, didn't he? Yeah, he's he did, he did something. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, the number 23 came in at number five and Norbit was at number six that week. Wow. Um, uh, Music and Lyrics, which is a great film. I recommend anybody see it. Drew Barrymore is wonderful in that film. That is good. Um, And and Black Snake Moan was number eight, which I saw at the cinema. Amazing film. Uh, You know, wonderful performance from Christina Ricci. (laughs) Number nine was Reno 911 Miami. Miami (laughs) or 911 Miami. Miami. I'm having difficulty saying these words. Um, but do you know what the number one film the weekend that uh, Zodiac came out and Kevin Smith actually went on a rant on a podcast that he did actually no I think he was um, he was on like Siskel and Ebert he was like a guest a guest like reviewer and um, Zodiac like finished at number two and this film finished at number one and he like went on like a five minute rant talking about how Zodiac was the greatest film ever made and nobody went to see it and you know Wild Hogs was the number one film oh. that weekend yeah <laughs> oh. By by like seven million or something on the Friday, and then another kind of like ten million, and another like ten million over the the Sunday and the Saturday. My um, God! So, yeah, so it made about about forty five million on its opening weekend, and Zodiac only made like thirteen. Oh man! Yeah, yikes! I know. Well, on that extremely downbeat note, uh, let's go to the plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Scott? Uh, yeah, we uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, today. Uh, we talked about Andrew Garfield as uh, as Spider Man. Um, I have a podcast uh, that is uh, Spider Man Minute, where I cover um, all of the uh, Spider Man films one minute at a time. Uh, we are about to get started on Spider Man Three this summer, uh, which will be uh, a really uh, uh, fun. Uh, conversation. Um, and, uh, I think, I think, you know, it's not going to just be us, uh, uh, ragging on Spider-Man three the whole time. We're going to be talking about what works, what doesn't work and why both of those things are simultaneously true. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, how this movie happened, um, and, and things like that. So it'll be, it'll be a really, really good conversation and, um, I'm excited about it. I think that we're going to give people a new perspective on that film. Um, that, uh, is not the popular perspective of it. I'm not saying that it's a great movie, but, but it has its moments and we're, we want to, we want to talk about what is good about that movie, even if uh, a lot of it is, is not that great. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so we're going to be doing that. We've already done Spider-Man 1 and 2, and uh, we're going to cover uh, the amazing Spider-Man films uh, you know, sometime next year as well. Um, so we're just going to keep on trucking forward. Eventually, <laughs> we're going to get to into the Spider-Verse, and it's going to be the best year of my life. Um, but uh, we're not quite there yet. We still got a few more movies to get to before we get to that one. Uh, but uh, Spider-Man 3 is uh, this year. I very highly recommend uh, checking it out if, uh, if you like those films or Sam Raimi or uh, Spider-Man as a character because we, we, uh, I, I, I really think we have a great show. So um, check that one out. Uh, that is Spider-Man Minute. And you can find it at DuelingGenre.com or uh, anywhere you get your podcasts. And you can find us on MySpace at MySpace.com slash The Social Minute. Or you can find us on Twitter at Social underscore Minute. Or on Facebook at The Social Minute Podcast. Thanks once more for being my guest here today, Scott. Absolutely. And I will see you tomorrow.